Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 13 of the Audible Farm Podcast. I'm your host. My name is Peter Stockdale. This week, I sit down with Eric Nelson. He's the guitarist, singer, and songwriter of uh, Hold for Swank. I mean, they're a great band. I've, I've known of them for a long time. I remember watching Eric play guitar when I was a young kid uh, growing up. Uh, young, I'll use that term a little bit loosely. Uh, we're pretty close to the same age. So, um, I mean, I've never really sat down and talked to him before this point, And it was kind of awesome because, um, I mean, he was really easy to talk to. I mean, I'm, I knew he was friendly. I've interacted with him online quite a bit over the years. But it was awesome to finally actually sit down and, and chit-chat with him. I mean, we talk about all sorts of things, uh, how Hold for Swank has changed over the years, how all the guys have grown up. Uh, playing the South by Southwest Music Festival and the Iowa State Fair, that's pretty cool stuff. Can't say I've done either one of those, so that's pretty awesome. Um, another thing we talked about is redefining success as a band. And I thought that this was uh, really important for, you know, a really good listen for some people maybe starting out to play music or people that are struggling to uh, find their way uh, in the music scene. So this is a really good listen. I highly suggest everybody in the music scene listen to this. Um, maybe not just the friends and family of Eric, but everybody. This is a great listen. It's probably going to be one of the best podcasts I've done so far. So I, I appreciate Eric sitting down with me. Uh, this is episode number 13 with Eric Nelson from Hold for Swank. It's the Audible Farm Podcast. With your host, Peter Stockdale. All right, uh, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you today? I'm doing really well. Uh, I'm sitting down today with uh, Eric Nelson, Hold for Swank. Um, you ever been in any other bands other than that? <laughs> when I was in high school. A couple of us got together and started a band called Dirty Laundry. Uh, high school was Fort Dodge, by the way. Yeah. So yeah, Fort Dodge Senior High. Um, me on lead vocals and a guitar. <laughs> and then another uh, lead guitar player, bassist who sang harmony, and drummer. And we did like, I mean, this was 96, 97. So we were covering old Green Day and old Nirvana from like the, the oddball albums. Yeah. So like we're, you know, we our sh- our set closer was uh, Nirvana aneurysm. Okay. All right. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. That was fun, but that was high school, and uh, you know, other than the cover tunes, um, we did a few originals, and I look back at those, and I wrote those originals, and they were so bad. <laughs> they were so uninspired and morose for being like some fifteen-year-old kid with no worldview at all. Yeah. Do you ever uh, bust any of those out, or I have one cassette tape that I need to get transferred into some digital format that, uh, oh my God, if people could hear it, um, I'd let it out. Why not, man? It's, yeah. it's funny. <laughs> uh, let me ask you this. Is that, what, does that have Amy, I suggest on it? That was pre Amy, I suggest, which actually, when I said I wouldn't be embarrassed to put it out there, I thought of Amy, I suggest when we did our, um, GoFundMe yeah. for this new album, uh-huh. Um, I put a video together explaining how we got our band name, and I used Amy, I suggest, as the uh, background music for that video. <laughs> Dude, I, uh, now I'm pissed I didn't give you any money for that, because that would have been awesome. There's There'll be more Go GoFundMes, trust me. <laughs> I, I will have to say, uh, your ability to do the GoFundMe stuff, um, whether it be, like, even just to, like, promote it on Twitter, like, your Twitter was on fire for a while we're just having fun uh i mean it it 
it helps that you like tag people and stuff like that like even if you would do it in like an off-the-cuff way like um you know we might sound a little bit like green day and but we're not but it would be cool if like billy joel armstrong would give us some money anyways why for, not for go fund me i can i guarantee you that <laughs> did not work and probably will never work but again why not yeah it's actually like i i enjoy seeing it because there's so many bands that have uh their Twitter accounts that are just attached to all their like Facebooks and Instagram. And then there's never any like real interaction there. It's just robots posting stuff. So we get, um, a Twitter's a kind of an interactive place for us. We don't have a big following there, but I'm always surprised, um, when our name pops up and we get mentioned by somebody else, but it's a great platform just to stay in contact with people and everybody can see it too. So it's not like it's a closed off thing. It's not like you're you, only your network of friends can see it. And so yeah. again, like when I'm mentioning, Billy Joe Armstrong when I'm mentioning Grain Belt beer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? Why not? Yeah. So what? Oh man. Um and I'm I've been trying to get more active on Twitter, uh, using the at Audible Farm for all these podcasts and whatnot. And you know, I'll I'll do my best to tag you uh in all this stuff on there. But for sure. I definitely think everybody like if you got a band, Twitter's a pretty awesome place for that because you don't have to worry about having a picture with every single thing. And that's like the only downfall of Instagram, which I guess is like the benefit of it too. So you can't just like put out nonsense on Instagram all the time, I guess. But like uh, on on Twitter, you can put out like what shows you got coming up, and you can tag people and like actually interact with fans on a what seems like more of a direct basis. And that's it always kind of kind of fun. And you can do things more quickly on there. I feel like so you can be more spontaneous. Yes, a little less planned and a little more ridiculous. Yeah, uh, it doesn't have to be as like. Uh, uh, this date, these people, this show, this time, five bucks, here's the flyer. It doesn't have to be just that all the time. It's like it's the place for the stuff that old people make fun of. Oh, I don't want to know what you're having for breakfast today. Well, guess what? I'm going to tell you what I'm having for breakfast yeah, today, whether exactly. you like it or not. <laughs> um, so we had mentioned, Amy, I suggest, <laughs> let's let's kick this back a ways. One of the first times I had ever saw you... Um, Bob Johnson had actually taken me to a jam night in Fort Dodge, <laughs> and a uh, very young me saw a very young you play a handful of tunes with some guys, and you pretty much had just handed them sheet music and was just like, play along, and, and you played a handful of songs. Oh my God. And they were uh, some older Hold for Swank songs, um, and that was maybe my first, I think it was the first time I ever saw you live. I believe I had heard you on the Iowa Central radio before that, um, which was my first taste of hold for swank stuff can i walk you back a little farther than that too yep, when it comes it. to the college radio station dude yeah. iowa central community college when i was in high school uh-huh. had the best college station dude it was legit it, it was and it might still be i don't i don't get a chance to listen to it as often but yeah. uh, it was a lot of fun back then there was a dj named dan butler uh-huh. and dan butler still makes music and and he pops up once in a while on my facebook feed um he had a band and he put out a tape called the bass turd <laughs> b-a-s-s-t-u-r-d <laughs> and uh anyway he did this stunt as a DJ at the college radio station where he was going to lock himself in the studio and set a world record for the amount of time he was in a studio with like minimal, whatever Guinness would have allowed for amount of sleep, like a half an hour a day or something (laughs) like that to, and be on the air consecutively. And he was shooting for five and a half days. Oh geez. And he, there was some technicality why Guinness didn't recognize it. So he's not in the Guinness book, but he was on the air for five and a half days straight. Jeez. And he invited all of these um, artists, and not all of them local either. Like, um, 
House of Large Sizes from Cedar Falls. Okay. They, they came out and they did a set, um, a band called Bo Bud Green from Austin, Texas, who then some guys started a band called Shotzi that used to play in Ames a lot. So I got to talk to them about that. Oh, that's cool. And then uh, do you remember a dude named Wesley Willis? Uh-uh. He was from Chicago. He was like borderline homeless. He was schizophrenic. Okay. He was like six foot four, 300 pounds, <laughs> but he made music. All right. And uh, dude, his claim to fame other than, so he had one song called Rock and Roll McDonald's that you should look up. <laughs> he also, he was when he had a band called the Wesley Willis Fiasco, he uh that band was on a Duran Duran tribute album with like real big fish and goldfinger and what? stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and uh anyway, he came and played in Fort Dodge. That's and, awesome. And it was great. He was on the radio station, then he went and did a show at the Knights of Columbus and he wrote a whole album about Fort Dodge. Oh whoa. I will find a way to share this all with you. But that's, uh anyway. That's crazy. Long story short, at the end of this run, I went out to the radio station. I'd never met this dude before, Dan Butler, and I brought my acoustic guitar uh-huh. and I wrote a song for him about his world record attempt at a lock-in oh that's crazy and he played it every time he was on the air and then the next year these two who ran who they had their morning show they called it grandpa and the bimbo (laughs) because he was a little bit older than most of the community college kids and she i don't know what her (laughs) temperament was at the time i guess she just rolled with it i guess there you go they asked me if i would write their jingle and i ended up writing them like a three minute song (laughs) and they played that every morning that's awesome in like 1997 sweet (laughs) and then i went up to this is when chris carr who you know and who runs eighth note music in fort dodge and has the chris carr band and everything oh yeah he lived up in stacy minnesota at the time and my dad and i went up there to visit him and his family Uh and i had just written amy i suggest which is like a five minute and 15 second love ballad yeah (laughs) that's the worst (laughs) and uh and we recorded it up there chris uh, recorded the drums for me and i did everything else oh crazy yeah and then i just i took it out to the radio station and they played that too (laughs) that's awesome yeah I don't I think that song's way better than you're gonna give it credit for to be honest I use the phrase pleasure cruise and I think I lifted it from uh um we are the champions that's right Queen says you know it's no bed of roses no pleasure cruise and I think that's where I stole that lyric from all my best stuff is stolen from everybody oh my gosh it's so awesome oh man so I I mean I'd seen you back in the day a handful of times and uh I guess I hadn't really thought too much about it other than like very honestly a couple of times i had looked you guys' stuff up online and showed it to people and it was like these dudes came from fort dodge can you believe that like best thing to come out of fort dodge probably like <laughs> and that's no offense to fort dodge i'm just having some fun but like it's 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 hilarious because i'd be like check this out and then i'd like i'd tweet you guys and it's just like i'm eating godfather's pizza and listening to hold for swank and all of a sudden like two seconds later i get a tweet back and it's like what do you I didn't, what? Like, I didn't. <laughs> That's the beauty of Twitter being on your phone. Yeah. On my, it's right here in my pocket. And as soon as it goes off again, like I'm, it's been a good networking thing for us, but it kind of comes as a surprise. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to leave anybody hanging. If somebody actually wants to interact with us yeah. to the point where they put the at symbol and our band name in yeah. a tweet, I'm like, I will absolutely respond to you in zero time flat. Oh, totally. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. I mean. So I, I, for a while, had like uh, quit playing guitar. I, I bought a guitar um, maybe like four years ago, and I'd 
yeah, three, four years ago, and I I had started to paint it, and that's the blue guitar. If everybody's seen any of my stuff online, that's the blue guitar that is shown in most pictures with it's me. Very vibrant blue. Yeah, it's uh, it's a pretty neat guitar. Yeah. But I uh, I painted that, and I was I was working on putting uh, some video game knobs in it, and some new pickups, and just some other nonsense, and rewiring it. And while I'm listening to the radio, I was listening to NPR because every shop radio has. Every shop has that radio that's always on in the corner on one station. If you turn the knob, it's it's just going to be static until right. you go back to the original station. So I'm listening to NPR. Uh, I'm listening to Studio One. Tony Daner is on there, and he's talking about Hold for Swank having a new album coming out. And uh, we had actually talked a little bit about this before we hopped on the podcast here, but... We were talking about how uh, I'm listening to this, and I was just like, "What in the world? I'd ha- I haven't I haven't really thought too much about you guys in a while again." And it was it was great. Like it was it was exactly like I thought it was going to be, but like better because it was updated. It was newer, you know. It was it was fresh. I, it was so awesome. Um, the song was "This Is Not a Reggae Song," I believe was the <laughs> song they played. But yeah, I mean, shout out to Tony Daner. You got some got some love from him. They uh, IPR and NPR uh, but the Studio One folks have been very kind to us for oh, yeah. a lot of years and I know that they just like they get a lot of local music but they have a show specifically for that oh yeah and uh, so we put our first album out in 2006 oh wow that's yeah. a long time ago <laughs> but uh, I lived in Cedar Falls and that was where um, the Studio One I don't know if they're doing it I hate to say I really should know better than this I feel like they do some of the stuff out of Des Moines now, but um, they were like, the Studio One base was Cedar Falls. We put our album out, and we were playing in Cedar Falls a lot also. Yeah. And so I think I still mailed the album to them. Nice. And I could have, you know, whatever, walked it up to, but I, I checked the boxes, and, and I mailed them the CD, and I would sit in my uh, bedroom, my one-bedroom apartment, all by myself at 9 p.m., listening to Iowa Public Radio, waiting for two hours to see if they would play one of our tunes. Yeah. And like, I would hear one come on at 1031 and I'm like, boom, I, I can go to the reverb and drink now. This is yeah, great. <laughs> no kidding. Oh man. Reverb in uh, Cedar Falls, yeah. Waterloo. Yeah. Yep. yep. So, uh, yeah. And then, you know, we put the second album out in 09 and kind of like you said about taking a break from guitar. Like we didn't really, we didn't intentionally take a break from recording. We just had to like make it work. You know, we, we, we had one drummer, that we did an album with in 06. Yeah. We had another drummer, and then we put an album out with him in 09. Yep. And then when he flaked, then we ended up finding these other two guys. The um, Raz and Jason were in a band over in Tama called Stanwood Charlie. Cool. And they're a ska punk band. Sweet. They're so awesome. They we, we played a bunch of shows with them. Oh, yeah. And there was a time very quickly after we started playing shows with them that they got way better than us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they had to split up, and we're like, well, we're cherry-picking guys out of this band now because we yeah. need a drummer. And, and yep. Raz was like, well, I'll play if Jason can come. And I'm like... Dude, uh, that's exactly what we needed at that time. Like you said, yeah. the, f- the the sound was very different yeah. when you heard "This Is Not a Reggae Song." Yep. Thank God those two guys came along because they. I used to be like the Rivers Cuomo, like Billy Corgan of the band. Like this, these are yeah. my songs. You can't tell me anything that's going to make them better. Yeah. And all that crap. And they came along with a lot of musicianship and just made the songs better and yeah. fuller, like that second guitar sound. Oh yeah. You know, I grew up listening to Green Day, and I always thought being a power trio was the best. Uh-huh. And yep. then you know when these guys came along and could join the band and contribute, and this is the sound now. It's fantastic. It just took. Um, 
well, gosh, my wife and I moved to Nashville for a couple of years. No kidding. <laughs> we had a lot of stuff go on between album number two and album number three. And, uh, and so I, uh, I'm still surprised it's been a year and a half since that album came out, but, uh, that's, that's why it sounds better. I give all the credit to the two new guys in the band yeah. for making the other two of us sound good. Where'd you record that album? Uh, down here in Des Moines at a place called um, The Establishment. Cool. So a dude named Griffin Landa, and he is in the band The Acacia Strain. Oh, yeah. Kind of like yep. the doom metal band. That's They're actually based out of Massachusetts, but they toured with one of his bands, I think the story goes, and like they just got to be buds, and they picked him up to join the band. That's cool. Yeah, so recorded over here with him, and he is he's great. He brought a lot of good ideas, but just a really good-sounding studio, and uh, blended a bunch of good guitar tones, and... Um, he, you know, he just, he pushed me. I actually had like borderline strep throat when I recorded the vocals. Oh man. And he pushed it, man. And it was great. That's good. Um, you had, uh, recently played at the Iowa State Fair. Is that correct? We've actually played there like six times now. Dude. <laughs> How does that even happen? I don't know. That's, that's pretty awesome. I mean, I've never played there and I don't know if, uh. I don't know if that's something that's even a possibility. Do they have metal bands there? Or punk? I don't, yeah. Punk bands, maybe not so much with Potty Mouth. But, uh, yeah. Uh, um, they they make you apply. Yeah. So that would might delete one of my bands. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, what is the Tweaker song? Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, they, they make you apply. And I think actually that, I think Stanwood Charlie had played the fair first, but then they kept getting the applications. Yeah. And then we applied. And of course, you still have to submit. A tune or whatever, but yep. we're at a point now where they're like, "Oh, that's yeah, set your watch to hold for Swank's application exactly. coming in the door." <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's also kind of nice that you've done it a few times, and they don't have to go through the laborious process of checking and then double checking and then cruising through your internet to make sure are these guys gonna say they don't swear? But this is a, this is actually only sent us the only song that doesn't swear, <laughs> right? You know, so they know you're good for it, and then. God damn, you guys are for sure. I mean, well, we've clearly matured with age also. True. I mean, <laughs> I think we all have, which um, you know, I guess is is a good thing or or not, I guess. I do kind of miss being a little bit off the handle, but at the same time, um I was I do a lot of driving and that, that gives me a lot of chance to think. And I was thinking the other day, man, when I was younger, I I thought I knew what wisdom was and and now I'm I'm only like 30, so I'm I'm like hitting the tip of the iceberg, and I can see how much farther I still have to go to like learn life stuff. Well, take that! Uh, I thought I knew what wisdom was. Line and turn that into a song. Oh yeah, should definitely. That's, it's kind of the basis of the new album, actually. Like in our in our bio that I crafted before I threw everything out to radio and TV and whatnot. Yep. I said, uh, and I'm paraphrasing because I can't remember exactly what I said, but if the first album was like the the lovelorn, like loser, and yep. the second album was the angry, like jilted lover, yep. the third album is more of like the wise older person trying to give the next kid advice. Like, yeah. dude, just suck it up. Like, it's not the end of the world. Exactly. And so it's very much like, I don't know, I'm trying to be somebody's like... I don't know, mentor. That's a horrible idea. Nobody take me as a mentor. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, hopefully uh, nobody takes anything I say too seriously on here either, I guess. Um, so, like, the State Fair thing is is a pretty cool thing. I've, I've only known a few people that have played there. Um, do you guys, like, what kind of a day do you usually play, like, on an afternoon? Or do they have, like, a side stage set up for you on something like that? Or? It's usually afternoon gigs. And uh, this last year, we were lucky enough to play on a Saturday. Oh, we cool. we often would get like the two thirty weekday slot, which is not bad. Like I no. don't want to say anything bad about it. 
if there's anything that we need to do to make that work, it's pretty much like take a day off work. Yeah. Um, make sure that we coordinate. Okay, everybody get to so and so's house at a certain time. Yep. And all that stuff. So the fact that we got a Saturday was a lot less pressure. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, man, we the last I think we've played almost every stage except for the grandstand. Which why would that ever happen? We um, never know. I don't know, man. But like the Susan Knapp Amphitheater and the A, the Anderson Erickson stage, which is small, and the which is an awesome stage. And I would go yeah. back there in a heartbeat. Like we've played the Bud Light stage now a few years in a row. Oh, cool! It's the huge one that Hairball plays. And, nice. Oh my God! It's the best. It's an awesome sound system. And it's covered, which is good for us, but oh, then yeah. like everybody out in the crowd uh-huh. is not covered and it's sun blaring down on them. And, yep. Um, but anyway, long story short, yeah, man, it's just a matter of get there about an hour before our set and uh, schmooze the sound guy a little bit and uh, set up and play and tear down and then go yep. ride some rides and look at some gigantic nuts and, um, <laughs> you know, eat, eat, drink some beers. Dude, the boar. How does the how do they keep finding boars with nuts that gigantic? Why do we keep talking about it in Iowa? It's, it's like it's on it's on TVs at ten thirty at night, and parents are just like, "Kids, get in here and look at this!" Like, why do you need to show? <laughs> there should be parental locks on the news oh during the state fair. Just there's so many balls swinging around. <laughs> it's just what a sight, man. I think uh, so. We took a few pictures. Uh, at the fair this last year thinking you know if we got something that would be a good press shot or whatever i liked a a few of them that came out but there's one where we're just admiring this boar's nuts and (laughs) or is it a bull it was either a bull or a boar i think that one was the boar but anyway (laughs) long story short it's a fun day at the state fair no kidding yeah like even a weekday at the state fair wouldn't be bad because they have i mean what are the usually millions of people are go every year whatever it is and it's almost record-breaking every year and it's kind of crazy to think that that many people come to little old Iowa for the state fair, you know. It's cool. It's cool to have a built-in audience, and they can't, they're they not always all sitting right there listening. Exactly. But we played the Bud Light stage one year. I think it was the first year we played that stage. And then we were done, and we got off stage and unloaded and parked our car somewhere else and came back, and the next band had started, and we walked down, like, it's like Caddy Corner, basically. I don't, I don't remember the directions. I want to say the... Our stage is the s- southwest corner, so we were walking northeast, and we could still hear that band playing for like a mile and a half, it felt like. Yeah. And I'm thinking, oh my God, everything I said, even though I didn't swear, no one swore, yeah. every ridiculous thing I said could be heard everybody, by almost everybody, everybody at, at the, the state fair. fair. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. No regrets. Uh, let's back it up a sec. You say caddy corner? Uh, I think I picked that up from my wife who's from Council Bluffs. Okay. They say Caddy Corner in Council Bluffs. I was going to say, like... It should be Kitty Corner, Kitty Corner, I think. Well, I'm trying to get her to say Coupon, which is also very stuck up sound. She said Coupon? She says Coupon. 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 Okay, that's normal. I I don't It is. I know. What about everyone that's not from Fort Dodge says, oh, you're from Fort Dodge. I'm like, no one says that. Fort Dodge? Fort Dodge. That's... Stupid. <laughs> Nobody says that. Well, I'm from Humboldt, and it gets misspelled a lot. And oh, sure. Well, there's a silent D in there. Yeah. Uh, there's. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's. <laughs> it gets missed a lot. It's funny when people throw it in there in like a different spot. H U M B D O L T. Like, wait, <laughs> humble. You know, it's whatever. not like like February or Wednesday where there's yeah. like random uh, letters out of order. Yeah, like, exactly. Humboldt. Like, it's a pretty clear spot. <laughs> Dude, what was the deal about 15 or 20 years ago where, like, 
guys from Fort Dodge were dating women from Humboldt and like getting into all sorts of yeah. skirmishes and trouble and like why why was there that reputation between I, the two towns? I I don't know. I uh, I always thought that was weird because I was young when all that was happening and uh, I mean I was like just getting into junior high and I'm like this is how young adults act is they just all they all get together on the baseball diamond in Humboldt and threaten to fight each other like forty kids <laughs> and then all the cop like every cop has to come down and. Like that's it wasn't always like that, but it would happen like you know once or twice a year you'd hear about this rumble like everyone's at the Hardy's parking lot they're gonna fight like what like right I don't I never understood it and I I definitely glad it's tamed down now like there was a reputation there for sure I'll tell you what man I I disagree um, I can't remember sorry sorry folks sorry listeners there's a peek behind the scenes I can't remember if you said this before we started recording or after but in no way shape or form is hold for swank even close to the best thing that ever came out of Fort Dodge but I will say that the fact that I can get a Pasquale's frozen breakfast pizza in yeah. Des Moines is a lifesaver dude they're legit they are I uh I saw a Pasquale's guy um god where did I see him maybe down down near Grinnell or no, it would have been a uh, yeah, Granger. Granger would have been Granger. I saw him at the Casey's there. I'm like, oh man, this is so cool because like you know, humble Pasquale's. That's where it's from and stuff. And uh, it's like, great, great frozen pizzas, man. Just so. seeing that green label as I'm walking down, like the red, their pizza is great. Period. Yeah. But you know, then you get past all the red label stuff for dinner. I'm like, I'm locked into this green label. And our Hy-Vee's down here put them on the end caps. Yep. In the displays. Oh, yeah. So like, oh dude, dude it's their, legit. Their breakfast pizzas are super good. Yep. <laughs> the jalapeno ones are mondo spicy. Oh man. They're uh they're hot. I haven't had those yet. I mean, you can even pick them off and eat the pizza and it's just like this pizza's still hot. <laughs> like it's it's crazy. Nice. Um so yeah, I don't know if anybody hasn't figured out we're actually kind of from nearly the same area, even though it seems like you've moved around a lot, and uh, you've been pretty busy musically the last 10, 15 years, and yeah. you know, I've kind of just, just jumped into the scene, even though, I mean, like, I've obviously been around, but I just haven't really played any guitar, I guess. Well, you're in it now, buddy. Yeah, no kidding. You're in it up to your ankles, mister, <laughs> yeah, if no, not your knees, no or kidding. further. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, actually, it's funny you mentioned that. Um, I don't know, I don't have an ETA on this yet, but kind of the next project that we're working on as a band is more of a concept album nice based on all of our different hometowns oh Um, cool i started it like i don't remember which song i started writing but there's a there's a fort dodge part one and a fort Fort dodge part two (laughs) yeah and there's a cedar falls part one and cedar falls part two yeah but anyway yeah it's just like kind of traveling the state like all these different places where i've lived and then um max our bass player is from defiance which is kind of down by harlan okay uh the other two guys are from tama and really like once we polish up their tunes um i think we're gonna have an album ready and te- I, I shouldn't even say tentatively just when it comes out it'll be called so long stink town <laughs> so, oh my gosh another simpsons joke yeah i uh <laughs> that was another thing i feel like i grew up just like on the tail end of the simpsons being like the greatest thing ever and I, I don't know why, but, like, the we don't have a very big age gap between us. Like, it's, like, five years tops, but I feel like it's Thank just, you for giving me that sort of credit. I'm 38, by the way. I'm so 31. So, seven years. Seven yes. years. But, uh, I mean, it's it's just kind of crazy to think that, like, even just seven years can be that big of a difference, you know? Like, yeah. Um, I mean, even just as far as, like, when when you were growing up, there were people from Humboldt dating, dating people from Fort Dodge, and everyone it had, like, you know, the, the Dirty Dodge and Scumbolt thing going on. <laughs> like, it was just the dumbest thing ever. Dude, it's everywhere. Now that I'm down here, I've heard people say Skankany a lot. Oh. Um, <laughs> what? Like, 
It's everywhere, why, man. Like, why would you make fun of Ankeny? It's like where everybody with money moves to when they don't want to live in Des Moines anymore. So it's I'll just, tell you what, though. Yeah, I don't know. It's just it's you and I are the type of people who just make fun wherever we go. Really, that's what you got to do. You yeah. Know? When you grew up in the Fort Dodge, Humboldt, whatever area, like, you know, I went to elementary school in Otho and... No kidding. uh, Lived in Badger for a little while. Sweet. And then all that stuff. Yeah, dude, you just make your fun. You do whatever you can to entertain yourself. I was listening to your episode with Dakota. Yeah. um, And I heard him say something about playing birthday parties. I'm like, dude, Dirty Laundry used to play birthday parties all the time. Yeah, man. Uh, Three Finger (laughs) Betty just got done playing one. We we had to like label it as a private show, but (laughs) we didn't invite very many people. There were even people. I mean, it was in Humboldt, which is it was our first show in Humboldt, believe it or not. Wow. Had to be private. (laughs) Um, and there were people that were even lived in Humboldt, like, Oh, I wish I would have known. It's like, sorry, man. I mean, like we got paid by someone and it's their house and it it all worked out, but dude, house parties are tons of fun. Like playing birthday parties is, is a blast. Yep. (laughs) I, uh, I mean, it seems like the least amount of issues come from private parties, you know, like there's never anybody there that's going to fight. Everybody's always having a good time. Like you almost always sell at least one T-shirt, which doesn't always happen at bars, you know, because people are there to listen to music and buy beer. So right, and most for the most part, people are not strangers at a house party. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> it was it was tons of fun. Awesome. Um, everybody was pretty cool with each other. Uh, you guys like as hold for swank. You guys, how many shows do you think you play a year? Because I I try to catch your shows, but like like I said, some of them are on on odd nights, and I can't always make it. But I did drive down. Uh, and see you guys earlier this year at the vaudeville muse i know yeah that was that was awesome thanks man it's uh i will admit that it's tapered off and i think that's probably with age and with age comes responsibility and whatnot um i mean honestly at this point if we're playing a show a month it's pretty it's a pretty good month um we had a we had a really interesting year in which now i won't get into detail but we had a little bit of a health scare in the band that now that we're all kicked out of that um which by the way we need to talk about pro wrestling for a few minutes oh yeah definitely. I, when when they talk when pro wrestlers get sick and then they get well other pro wrestlers say well he kicked out yep anyway yep. um so that's all good now so we can start picking up shows again here pretty soon but uh you know again i moved to nashville for a while and like we you have to put the band on hiatus yep. and before that our guitarist Jason, he worked for Fairway and he was in the management training um, program. Yep. And so they moved him wherever they needed him. Yeah. So he ended up going from Tama up to Rochester, Minnesota. Oh, geez. And yeah. then over to Decorah, which stupid me, I'm like, oh, sweet, he's back in Iowa. And then yeah. I Google map it and find out he's seven minutes farther away than he was when he was in Rochester. Exactly. Yeah. So it's hard. It's just hard. Like our first two or three, two years as a band, I suppose, 06. And then 07, um, God, we played like 50 shows a year. Yeah. Because we were just picking up like three-day weekends and then a stray yep. show or a couple of weekends or whatever. And like we played at the Reverb in Cedar Falls Sweet. all the time. Yep. They were the ones who really kind of gave us our, our, I guess, first break. And then... Um, That's awesome. I, I've talked about this with other people before, but it, it got hard to like when... Max, who's lived in Altoona for a while, and then when I eventually made it down here, mm-hmm. we're not from here. No. And we hadn't lived here all that long. No. And it's not like we're the five-piece band with like high school kids from Johnston. Yeah. That they can go play a show, and everybody in their graduating class turns out to see them. Exactly. So we've always just kind of had a hard time drawing a crowd until now that we've got coworkers and more family, exactly. friends. And so... So it's kind of too bad. Like, how killer would it have been to draw a hundred people fifty times a year? And now, you know, if we can draw, you know, 
50 people 12 times a year. I guess it's it's cool. It's yeah. fun. We always have fun at our shows, but uh, I, I it's partly, you know, and I, now I'm married and we have a kid, and Max is going to get married one of these days, and Raz is married with two kids, and he's a traveling electrician, and you got one oh, guy yeah. who's been yep. all over the upper Midwest. It's just, it's kind of hard. Like, we've... We decided at one point we need to define success in a way other than drawing a local crowd of, of like 100 plus people. Yeah. It's like, why don't we focus on putting out a killer album or something that we at least think is good? Exactly. If not other people, I don't know if other people think so, but um, let's put out a good album and get some radio spins and maybe get some TV stuff and play our like one show a month that our coworkers are like, oh, it's Friday, I can get the fuck out of the house and drink and get away from my kids. Yeah, exactly. And then, oh, my buddy's going to be playing. This is going to be super cool. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's something a lot of bands maybe, um, maybe, it's maybe not a lot of bands, but some bands need to take to heart is like redefining what success is to them. Because it's so hard to jump in the music scene and be like, success is defined by popularity and money. I mean, that seems to be the easiest, like from the outside looking in, that's what, you know, success is. And then when you jump into it, you're like, oh, I need to re reevaluate why I'm here because it's, you're not going to make a bunch of money and you're not going to become the next Slipknot or whatever, you know, whatever the next thing, big thing from Iowa. Right. So, uh, uh, there's like, there's a school of thought and it's kind of in the marketing world, but it, I can see where it would work in a lot of other places. This idea of kind of the smallest viable audience that you can get. Yeah. And there's somebody who, uh, who falls into that and they, their number is a thousand. And honestly, dude, like, the fact that we've got 1,071 people who like us on Facebook, and honestly, like I could yeah. probably name the like 30 of them who contributed to our GoFundMe. Yeah. Like having a thousand likes on Facebook does not correlate into having a thousand people who are definitely going to do everything that you need them to do in order for you to make. Uh, whether it's a living or break even or whatever, so it's yeah. like we got to figure out, man, what's our what's our smallest kind of viable audience, and then how do we get a good product in front of them? And and like uh, again, like I got a what what's the what's the college savings account for your kid a five twenty nine? I think they always talk about yeah. like. Maybe I I have to divert money into a five twenty nine for an eleven month old. Yeah, I can't put that money toward recording. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so like we kind of reach out to our people and say, hey, if you want to spare a few bucks, you're basically pre ordering our next album. Yeah. But you're but by you doing that, you're helping us get into a studio so we can make an album in the first place. Exactly. So you know, for for those people who are so willing to to help out a little bit, great. Then we'll have an album and and. I guess kind of, I hate to say it, but the goal is to minimize how much money I have to put out. And my wife yells at me for like, what did you, how much did you spend? It's like, no, 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 no. That's why we did a GoFundMe, you know? Yep. So it's just kind of the realities of, of growing up and, and having somebody else to answer to besides yourself, which again is weird. Like I say this in, in conversation, but then I think about our new Hold for Swank album. I'm like, oh my God, this is exactly what I talk about in our album. Like grow yeah. up and suck in your bottom lip and learn some responsibility exactly because you've got a whole different life to deal with when you hit a certain age yeah man i, I mean I, I feel like i'm hitting that a little bit too because like when i started playing music again i i had left the the job i had i was working for hy V at the time and I, I was maybe looking for something slightly bigger out of my life than uh just just a regular labor job you know and i go back to school and i'm scheduling stuff at school and they're like you want to take summer classes or not and it's just like dude just stack it on like i'm paying my penance now like i <laughs> 
I dropped out of school once before, and uh, I get I'm getting what I deserve. Like nobody should be 30 going back to school. I mean, like it's better now than never. And the cool thing is, like I'm going back to school, and there's people older than me going to school, and it's just like, dude, these people are so cool because they're they're doing the same thing I'm doing, and they're even older, and they they know that like, you know, you got to do these kind of things uh, exactly like you do. You got to. Stiff upper lip and just go yeah, nose to the grindstone and do it. You, you know? know what though? I've I've got a coworker who said this a thousand times. They can't take your education away from you. That's true. You know, <laughs> you can take a lot of other stuff away from you, but once you get all smart and stuff, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I mean, as far as that was talking, uh, me and a friend were talking about that the other day. So like, let's say you go get loans. Like you get a loan for a house and you have stuff you put up as collateral. Plus they can just, I mean, not necessarily take the house, but you know take the house what about like a student loan like they still can't take the education from you i mean it's not like you're going to default on your loans but like as long as it takes you to pay them back you still got that education out of that thing so it's ever so important if you're going to take out a student loan to at least get the education out of it you know absolutely if you would have seen so i met max in college at buena vista yeah if you would have seen the two of us at school (laughs) <laughs> you may have been surprised. Uh, well, I mean, every, everybody I feel like was a lot different when they were younger. And I feel like there's a lot of people I've met now that had they met me 10 years ago, they wouldn't like me. Even <laughs> even now, if they had met me again, it was it would be such a souring experience oh, from back man. then. And it's probably not true, but man, I, I feel like everybody does quite a bit of growing up. And it's kind of fun to see that. I mean, a bunch of my friends have been in the music scene for about 10 years or so. And even just to watch them grow up through the music scene is, is pretty cool. Like the things they used to take super, super seriously that really aren't like a super big deal. You know, now they just brush it off. Like it's no big deal. Yeah. That's smart. I mean, you can't dude everything in music and just entertainment. It's so fleeting. Yeah. Like you can't get married to something like that. You can't take it personally. Exactly. If I, if I wanted to get mad about, this band not being bigger than it ever was, which was not big to begin with, I could have gotten super mad about that. But what's the point? Like, uh, I'm at this point, I'm just doing it for fun. Like, exactly. I, I find writing lyrics to be fun. I do it for sport. And, like, it's funny too, because I think, like, some of the stuff, I don't write a ton of stuff anymore about, like, old love gone bad or anything like that but when i do it's totally for sport man it's like okay what's the what are the three or four things i haven't said about her yet exactly (laughs) how can i turn that into a song yeah and i mean i feel like that's uh i don't know i don't i don't feel like you you have the ability to do it without making all of your songs a joke though too like it's not like you're just writing a song that's just completely crapping on a girl and it's all just jokes about a girl i mean it's, it's not that even at all like uh you're almost like involving yourself in the joke as well. And I feel like that's something tough that a lot of people like, cause I can write like a, a five minute song with crap lyrics and we can just throw some stuff behind it. And it's, I think we were talking about that before we even got here to do the podcast where I don't have the ability to give people crap very well because I can't, I'm just not good at it. And that's what would kind of translate into my lyrics. Whereas I feel like you have the ability to poke fun at someone and involve yourself in the joke as well, at least a little bit. And I think it's kind of, uh, I'll be honest with you, this turned into a, a psychiatry session fast. I think it's kind of a, it was a coping mechanism. When I grew up, man, I had the worst. So, and I started growing it out when I was eight years old. I had the worst mullet. It was like <laughs> super, and my hair is like really thick and coarse. And so it wouldn't grow like 
out and down. Like I couldn't do the butt cut like kids had, <laughs> like the the kids from like Home Improvement and yeah, whatever. The, yeah, the part straight down the center. I couldn't do that with my hair, but and then my brother, who's older than me, and my cousins, they grew up listening to like Rat and Metallica and everything. Yep. And so I'm watching MTV, and like they have mullets, and the guys on MTV have mullets. Yep. And I'm like, that's what I want my hair to look like, and it looks stupid. And nobody told me it looked stupid. <laughs> and then at the same time, I'm also like, I had. I was just always a big kid. I was like a head and shoulders taller than everybody else in my class yeah. and bigger just in general. And so I kind of just, I was bigger, goofier looking, worse hair. Nobody treated me really badly for it because yeah. I feel like when I was younger, everybody just assumed that I would just beat the shit out of them because <laughs> I was also a pro wrestling fan yep, yep. and I wasn't going to do that. So my coping mechanism was to try to be funny and yep. part of being funny was just to make fun of myself because why not? And now I'm at a point where it's like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And then like secretly running off and crying on the inside. It's exactly. like, dude, whatever. Like I'm just... I'm just making fun of stuff, and most of it is myself. Like, yeah, if you listen to my lyrics, it's like the the. It's all about how stupid I was. What stupid decisions am I making over the course of my life? And it just so happens that they're because of her or her or her. Yeah, but yeah. it's all about how stupid I was. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that might that's actually a really good explanation of it because it's uh, like self-deprecating to an extent. I mean, it's not so much where you're just like you know, crapping all over yourself, but it, it is, there's like the, my involvement in this went sour and it's not quite what you think because I did these things and maybe I overdid it, you know, or That's something exactly like that. Like I, you're, you're, I'm mad at you, but I'm the one who drove all over town that night and didn't try to call you or I'm the one who rented Black Belt Jones instead of the notebook or whatever. Bingo, dude, that is, that is awesome. Like <laughs> I'm mad at you for the stupid stuff I did. <laughs> That's brilliant. I, <laughs> Like I, I dig that because I mean I feel like so many lyrics are just unidirectional anymore. Mm -hmm. Where it's just, uh, I mean maybe that comes from listening to like pop or rap. And I'm I'm around a lot of younger kids at Iowa Central, so sometimes you get to hear some stuff. But it's just I'm not a hundred percent sure that it is. Um, I don't know. There's somewhere between like art and like poetry. I don't know even know if you could call it like poetry, like what some of these people are doing, but it's, mm -hmm. it just might not be my cup of tea. And that's something maybe being older, I've also understood where like, if I don't like this, it's not because it's bad. It's also because it wasn't made for me. I've been talking about that with some friends too recently. There's this band that I am super, super into right now. They're from California. They tour, they're on Epitaph Records. They're called Joyce Manor. And I'm super into these guys. Yeah. And I have told a bunch of people about them and I can't get any of my friends into them. <laughs> and if this were 20 years ago and I were working at Sam Goody in Fort Dodge at the yeah. Crossroads Mall yeah. and somebody told me that they didn't like a band that I recommended, I would have been so pissed off at how stupid they were for not liking the stuff that I like. But now I feel like I can listen to a band and like a band and somebody can say, I just can't get into it. And I think, you know what? The guy's vocals are kind of weird. Yeah. And the, the this part's a little bit sloppy. And yeah, every song is like under two minutes and mm -hmm. and maybe it's weird song structure and everything. And I'm like, I get it. Like I and then I I try to there's a band called have you heard of Saves the Day? No. Um they're um I don't know where they're from. They're from Jersey. That's right. And they've put out probably like, I think this new album is their ninth album. Jeez. They put their first album out in like 98 and it was a very like punk rock, almost hardcore record. And then they put out like three albums on Vagrant Records when they were doing all the like pop rock stuff in the late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. And th one, two, three, four, five, five really good albums in a row. 
and then depending on who you ask, including Max, who loves these guys too, yeah. like every other album has been shit, including this last one, which he and I both agree is like the biggest dog shit taco album ever. <laughs> but like I can be honest with myself and be like, you know what? I could jam to this music, but the lyrics are terrible Yeah, because the lyrics in every single song are about like, let's get in a bus and tour. Let's get on a bus and tour. It's like, <laughs> what the hell's wrong with you guys? Like this dude, by the way, if you look these guys up. A couple of years ago, they played a gig outside of Soldier Field. Okay. And their uh, singer got like super wasted. Yeah. And then like started sobbing and writhing around on the ground <laughs> while his <laughs> bandmates just petered out. Anyway, <laughs> yes, there's like, I don't know. It's just kind of interesting to like figure out how you separate art from artist or separate like serious from just like being goofy. I don't know. I'd love to be able to draw an analogy between what I do lyrically and like a pro wrestler. Like what? What pro wrestler would my music be? Yeah, dude. <laughs> I would. The this, new day. This that's is my. <laughs> this is not the. Oh, that's hilarious. I'm gonna make this happen. I'm gonna force pro wrestling into this conversation. Oh, man. I. This would not be the first time I've compared stuff to pro wrestling because the very <laughs> last podcast I did the very same. I compared. Um, so like, maybe some of the reason that some musicians don't get to other musicians' shows is because they're also playing shows. Right. Everybody plays Friday and Saturdays. So if everybody's playing, we can't all go to each other's shows. So the off chance to see your buddy at your show, you're always like super stoked. And it's one of those things where it's like, I wonder if wrestlers kind of feel the same way. Because like, even on the independent circuit, I used to go see a bunch of them and it was, you right. know, like they're always, they're always wrestling so they can't see their buddies wrestle and stuff like that. Right. And that's one of the reasons I like supporting other bands though too, because it's just like, um, like, I don't know, I did that podcast with Scott Dahl, mm -hmm. and I was like, well, I got these shows coming up, and if you don't want to go to Des Moines, Scott's got a bunch of shows up here in northern Iowa, so come to his shows, you know? it was That's great. It's, it's always just like, go to someone's show. I mean, I mean someone's going to love seeing you there, and it, believe it or not, as antisocial as we all are, uh, we do like seeing people at the show. I it's mean, true. You just, know what's weird, too, is that like we, again, it kind of goes back to what do you want to, how do you want to call yourself, like, what makes you successful in what way? And... um if you want people to come to your show and that's what you consider success and then like you end up, I don't know, just a small turnout frustrates you. Like that's a really good point. Like I want people to have my music on their phone. I want people to have my music in their hand in some way, shape or form. Yeah. Of course I want people at my show because I, here's the, then I flip it back on myself. Like I love playing shows yeah. and I want to stand up on a stage and play music, but I don't want to do it in an empty room. No. But then, yeah, you got to like realize, okay, not everybody. That's actually kind of the problematic thing about playing like playing 10 shows a year. <laughs> okay. I only gave you 10 chances to come out and see us. Exactly. Oops, and there are 355 other days in the year, you know, that I could have given you that chance. And it's like, okay, well, you know what, dude, I get it. You can't make it. So just like spin us on Spotify a few times. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of which I, I did create, um, some playlists on Spotify. Okay. I put, I put you guys on there. I put TV cop on there. I mean, it's just a bunch of punk bands from around Iowa. If anybody's listening, you got a punk band, uh, hit us up anywhere. Audible farm. I'll throw your stuff from Spotify on the playlist. Um, I've been getting a lot of people sending me their band camp links and I can't link a band camp song to Spotify playlists. So otherwise there's that, but whatever I you got to do as a local band to get on Spotify, which really like if, you know, we still manufacture CDs. There are people who want CDs, like customers, and then yeah. there are also like radio stations and TVs and producers and whatnot that want physical CDs. And yep. when you do that, like we always use uh, CD Baby to manufacture our yep. CDs. 
for a very small fee, they'll digitize your stuff and put it out on every streaming service. Yeah. So I totally get Bandcamp. A lot of people are doing that more, and then you can also charge money. Um, yep. But dude, to spend like thirty-five bucks and then eventually have your stuff on Spotify, like that's the new mixtape. Exactly. The fact that you're making playlists, I've got one somewhere or other, and you're just like putting bands that you like, your friends' bands, other people who you want to be noticed. Like Spotify is the mixtape of of 2018. Yeah, uh, believe it or not, like it's cr- it's kind of crazy to create stuff like that and just throw it out on the internet and be like, all right, anybody can follow this if they want to. And a few people followed it. And then you get to see like the statistics on your play. Like how many times did people play my stuff or your stuff or whatever? And it's kind of neat to see that. Yeah. Also, uh, I mean... You guys got quite a few plays on Spotify this year compared to what compared to what I got. Uh, I couldn't with believe it. Betty. I I don't know, man. I, I somebody must have just like turned it on their phone and put it under their bed when they fell asleep. Well, let's. You guys are on a tribute album on Spotify, are you not? We were okay. This is funny. So yeah. we have made I quite a few band friends in the fifteen years we've been doing this, which yeah. is still like way too long. We should have crazy. We should have bowed out a long time ago. <laughs> um, and they uh, like bands from other towns and other states, and they tour and they've made their connections too. And there are a couple of bands who were on a tribute to I think it was Blink One Eighty Two, and that so there's a record label out of California called Pacific Ridge Records. And they put out all these tributes along with like EPs and full yeah. albums of other bands. And and um, they get the rights for X amount of songs and then they reach out to X amount of artists. And it's usually some pretty cool artists. Like there's this punk, like pop punk band called The Wonder Years that was on this one. And yeah. the dude, um, Jonah Matranga, he was in a band called Far and also New and Original and whatever else he's been in. Anyway, long story short. We hear about our friends' bands being on the tribute to Blink-182, and we hear rumblings there's a tribute to Alkaline Trio coming out. Yeah. And we're like, collectively, that's our favorite band. Oh, yeah. By a long shot. Um, and so we just at, we asked, who's the guy who's doing this? And then we found out how to get a hold of him, and we said, can we be on it? And we kind of gave him our little resume. Yeah. And he was like, I'm interested. I mean, I think we're full because it was like a two CD, yeah. like 34 songs. Yeah, there were a lot of songs in that album. A lot of songs. And we're like, just give the, I think we maybe like mailed him both of our albums that we had put out at the time. And he wrote back, he was like, I like you guys a lot. What song do you want to do? Oh, so that's cool. We picked a B side called My Standard Break from Life. Yep. It's like our favorite song by our favorite band. And he wrote back and he said, That's exactly the song I would have picked for you guys. That's sweet. So we just went to a buddy's studio and recorded it in about five hours and Oh man, that's awesome. Sent it over to him and yeah, dude, like of all the songs, um, which makes sense. I mean, it's a pretty popular B side by this band that's been around for like twenty years. Yeah. Um it's got like six thousand spins on Spotify. Yeah, I was gonna say six or seven. I think I remember seeing so and we're still working on the other ones I mean we've got we've got some tunes we're pretty proud of Dude, I just, yeah <laughs> sometimes um, you look at that thing where it says less than 1,000 and it's like oh, oh if I could man. just get that up over 1,000 yeah and I mean I've seen it going around on memes online but some I always feel like if you got a Spotify account and you go to bed at night just turn the turn the thing on turn on an audible farm playlist and just start farming yep. listens for people cuz i mean you have no idea how much someone would appreciate seeing that number go over a thousand <laughs> absolutely oh man that uh it is kind of painful to go there and see under a thousand and you're like man i've i've listened to this like 30 times where's everybody else li- i you know i don't know but <laughs> it's just the way it works and uh, 
I mean, Spotify, there's no way to really make a bunch of money on Spotify um, money-wise, which is one reason I made a post on Three Finger Betty's Facebook, and it was just, you know, like, specifically thanking uh, the promoters, the people that go to shows, and, and especially anyone that bought a shirt or any merch from us, because, I mean, that's money that goes mostly into our pockets, and everything else is just kind of, like, I don't know, you don't always get paid a bunch of money to play a show, you don't always, you know, sometimes people don't show up, and it's just... Every every little bit helps, and it's kind of nice to see people do that. It's kind of probably why a lot of people are going to the band camp. Um, even Reverb Nation has it where you can set stuff up to buy the digital download from the website. So people are trying to, like, you know, snag their 50 cents for a song or a dollar for a song or whatever it is. And it's justified. It's totally justified. Every band's got to make a little bit of money somehow. But It's hard when, like, the economies of scale don't work out for everything. Like, you can get, you know, you can try to put in a T-shirt order. And if you can find a, per, a place that'll screen print a, t- a one color T-shirt yeah. for like four fifty a shirt or five bucks a shirt, but then a minimum order is twenty four, and that's like you better hope to God you can sell. So you hope you can sell ten of them for ten bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you know, or or you just lost money on buying twenty four shirts. You yeah, lose exactly. money. Like it's hard. The you know you've got the the product and you've got the distribution and you've got the money behind it and we're kind of i mean we're our own money behind it it's not like yeah. we're supported by a label or anything like no, that man. and it's like that's the thing when you can get fans who are willing to cough up a little bit of money that's your bank right there so again it just like how do how do you define success did 100 people give you 10 bucks because then you can do something with a thousand dollars. You can spend, you know, a couple of days in the studio and put your new EP out. Yeah. And then you sell a few copies of those, and you take that next thousand to the studio and record your next EP. Exactly. Like, you just kind of have to trudge along. Maybe that's why we've been around for fifty years, because only only enough people like us to let us like like snail our way along. <laughs> well, I mean, you just got to parlay all your winnings to the next one. You got to know <laughs> when to cut your losses. Um, I mean, it, it just comes down to having a little bit of business savvy. You got to have some, and I, I always feel like this, um, I mean, even me doing the podcast, me playing music with all these bands and uh, just talking to everybody, all of this is just hobbies that have gone way out of control. And that's like literally all this is. And you just got to find some way to like offset that in any fashion you can. And I guess with bands, you just find the people that enjoy it and then try to give something to them that they will enjoy. Yeah, you know? it, it's nice when, I honestly, the fact that my wife likes the band yeah, and is willing to let me do that exactly. is key. Like There are a lot of things that I probably could have chosen to do that she would say, well, that's stupid. Yeah. Um, and from the business savvy standpoint, too, like we, we printed a thousand copies of our first CD and we... We gave a lot of them, again, the radio thing, like I think we sent out to 250 radio stations. Yeah. So immediately there goes a quarter of our inventory. Yep. We're playing 50 shows a year and we got rid of our CDs. Well, then the next album came out and we printed a thousand copies and then our drummer flaked out three months later. Oh, man. We're sitting on, literally, I'm sure Max still has like 600 copies of that CD in, and that's, if you think about it in terms of the value, the the price tag that we put on it, Yeah, he's sitting on $6,000 worth of merch, no one's going to buy it. Yeah. So for this new one, we said, we're going to make, I think we made 200. Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, mean, it comes down to doing that, you almost almost have to learn when you get burned on something, like... um, the t-shirt thing for example like you can make um i'm just throwing out numbers here but like let's say you can screen print 25 shirts for 750 a piece but if you do 50 it's it's seven dollars and if you do 100 it's six you know and it's just like one of those types of deals where you're like well let's get 100 t-shirts and then it's like you don't realize how long it's going to take you to get rid of 100 t-shirts <laughs> hence the reason that betty has had the same two designs for two years 
That's how um, they get you. And so, I mean, we have recently actually just downpriced our T-shirts to cut our loss to an even standpoint because we realized we made a mistake. So if you want some cheap shirts, you know, um, nice. we can come swing on down and get a three-finger buddy shop rag, I guess we could. Nice. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> hey, um, man, we, we call our CDs coasters. Yeah, and um, I mean, even if you had it as a coaster, it'd be pretty legit, <laughs> you know. Like, it Ooh, always have the exposure. Where'd you get the hold for swank coaster? Dude, that is legit. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, th- I feel like we've talked about most of the stuff that uh, we had somewhat set out to talk about. Um, I mean, it's it feels like it's been. I've never actually sat down and talked to you one on one. I don't even really know. Um, I think at the show I saw you earlier this year was the first time I ever saw talked to you face to face. I, I think, think you're right, yeah. Like, uh, and I mean, uh, you've always been on my radar. I've always like interacted with you a little bit. Um, I, the hold for swank thing, I just sucked me in at a young age. Seeing, like, I was in I was in a band called Active Input. We played cover songs and stuff like that. And I, I just got done doing a podcast with Jeremy Ober. Um, he would ask us to play shows, and it's like, man, we can't cover you know an hour's worth of material and play all covers at a show. So we we never really played too many shows around. But it was always kind of cool to see you, people like you and him, out there playing music. And it's like, dude, these guys are from like where I'm from, and they're out there doing the stuff I want to do. So you always kind of had this, you know, the ability to, without knowing it to push me to like uh, I'm greater things. I don't know to to do what I wanted to do. You know, that's awesome. I'm glad so, to hear it. Uh, I'm super appreciative of it. I, I Thanks, really, man. I really am. I tell you what, coming back to Fort Dodge and playing shows in the like the Eagles Club, yeah, and places like that were the. Honestly, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn or putting words in my bandmates' mouths. I think those are probably the best shows we ever played. They're Dude, the, yeah. mo- the most fun, the the best friends hanging out. Like we would so before Raz and Jason joined and they were in Stanwood Charlie, they came up for a show and played it was us and Hold for Swank and Stanwood Charlie and a couple other bands from Fort Dodge. And then um when those guys joined our band and they came up and played another show, dude, I still like I I don't get too hung up on this stuff. I, I yeah. do like my own music, but I don't get too hung up on this stuff. But I will go back to YouTube and watch videos from that night because yeah. it was so freaking epic. I cannot like believe a- that that night happened and we sounded good and the crowd was insane. I remember like all those kids like Rusty and Matthew and Alex and, and all those other kids, Jack and everybody else. Like they like there were like 200 kids in the room and half of them went over here and half of them went over here. Yeah. And whatever song it was, we started playing the song and they just all like ran into each other. Oh, yeah. Went, How in the hell? Like when I was honestly, again, like playing my buddy's basement for a birthday party yep. or like the Fort Dodge Senior High Radio Club dance <laughs> in the in the uh, uh, gym or, uh, cafeteria of the high school. Um, there was like one kind of quasi music venue in town. It was, uh, the old Sears building on central central or first. Anyway, it's like kind of down by the square and I think it's something else now. Yeah. I'm not Uh, sure. I drove by it not too long ago and it's something else. And like, I went to a few shows there and it was really cool. And there was a coffee shop up above, but I was like, I was playing my songs and like just barfing out whatever words i could think of and playing whatever and screwing up a solo i'm sure and i'm watching these kids like oh my god i wish there was something like this here when i was their age yeah because they're like 18 17 18 something like that and i'm like this is insane like this is my hometown yeah man (laughs) i was shocked i feel like we need to get hold for swank and three finger betty uh together sometime in like the four dodge area yep i know that uh 
our lyrical stylings and play stylings are slightly different, but um, I think they're um, uh, what's the complementary? Yes, they're uh, yin and yang. They're I guess, like of, they're like red, and then what's the complementary color for red? Probably green. I don't know. Sure, <laughs> that sounds good. Um, yellow. <laughs> if I look hard enough, I'm sure I can find a color wheel somewhere. Yeah, they're very complementary bands. I think it would work. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, there's. There's definitely a lot to be said for going back to your hometown and playing those shows because, like I said, we recently played that that birthday show, and it it when you measure the success we were talking about, there's thirty people there tops, absolute tops. But those thirty people, the enjoyment each one got out of it times thirty people was way more than you know if you're at. I mean, I'm not trying to put down like the state fair, but if I was playing at the state fair, 200 people were there and they were all just walking by as I was playing, it would feel like the enjoyment level, you know, it's like, man, nobody really stuck around for the entire thing. And at the, you know, the show we played, everybody stuck around for the whole show. And that, right. that doesn't always happen, you know? So it's, I'm, I would have rather had you come to the vaudeville muse show. And I don't remember how many people were there versus come to the state fair for that reason. I like, I like playing the state fair to say we played the state fair. Yeah. Um, we, spent money to go play south by southwest nice to say that we played south by southwest so that when people hear that they're like oh nice you did that and it was great i could tell you some ridiculous things from driving to and from austin texas too which is great like that's that was that was our payment our payment was getting four of us plus a merch guy in a van (laughs) and driving down to to the gig that we paid three hundred dollars to play exactly on sixth street in austin texas um to be able to get people excited, our coworkers and other people like that, and and hopefully, uh, perception's reality, man. Get a it little is. bit of like legitimacy in their mind. Like, yeah. Okay. Well, I thought he was a dork, and now he's telling me he's in a band, and that sounds kind of dorky. But he's telling me that he's played the Iowa State Fair in South so, by Southwest, yeah. so I might actually go see him. Exactly. And then they just come away with whatever opinion they come away with. Exactly. I guess. <laughs> um, and it's like you said, you just got to get them in the door somehow because i feel like that's that's a lot of what it is i mean even just listening to the music around the area finding it online and showing some of my friends some of the bands i've listened to and i try my best to like tailor what i think they will like to what i'm going to show them i don't just like this guy only likes metal let's show him some three finger betty he'll love it and it's like doesn't always happen like that but i always try and pick out like ooh, i know someone that'll like hold for swank and you show it to them they're like ooh, i love this you know it just takes getting somebody to sit down and actually listen to it. Cause even if you send them the link, it doesn't mean they're going to click on it. That's, I mean, I'm guilty of that just as much as everybody else is. And I know if I'm guilty of it, you all are too. You know, <laughs> you just got to put it right in their hand. Basically. Exactly. Yep. You know, uh, just sit down with them and just be like, Hey, listen to this with me real quick. And they're like, Oh, what is this? And you're like, Oh, this is, this is this one band from so-and-so. And they're actually pretty sweet. You know, I <laughs> saw them a week ago. Like you played with these guys. Like, yeah, should have stuck around, you know, like, uh, Band, bands are like the ultimate guerrilla marketers. Yeah, because we are we need to be shameless. Yeah, and willing to do pretty much anything. And like you said, literally put something directly in front of somebody's eyes and ears or right in their hand. Because you're right. Like that that band that I mentioned earlier from California. I told Max about them, and he was like, oh, "I'll listen to him." We're taking vacation. They're driving somewhere, and he's like, oh, "I'll listen to him." Yep. I don't know if he listened to him. Like I don't know if he gave him a fair shot. So yep. I mean, if you're a if you're a band and you're not shameless about what you do. Exactly. Exactly. But you know what? That's uh, again. Look at some of the dumb shit I've said about our band in yeah, the past. Well, <laughs> I will have to say one of my favorite shameless band things that I've ever seen, and I'm not going to call out whoever did this, but it is actually pretty awesome. They uh, had they had. There's only one bathroom in the venue we were at. It was it was uh, co-ed 
Uh, yeah. yeah, whatever. Yeah, yep. but you had to be a. It was either way. You could go. So there's guys and girls all standing in line, and they had their merch tables set up like, like they were the gatekeepers of the friggin' bathroom almost. So everybody that like walked up to the bathroom and stood in line had to stand there and talk to them for like five minutes. Yes. While they're like sitting there with like shirts and t-shirts, and they they came away with a bunch of money, and they deserved it though. It was a good band. So like, but it was kind of cool. I was like, dude, that's actually like that's like low class and high class all at the same time. <laughs> you're, you're mixing like some awesome stuff there. That is brilliant. It's not like they trapped anyone and forced them to. But right. It's kind of funny. Like everyone's gonna stand here anyways. Oh, so. I'm sorry. You're done urinating. Nope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> dude. So uh, I mean, we're getting pretty close to an hour. I think right. actually we're almost on an hour on the nose here. Um, you want to mention the guys in your band real quick? Give yeah, them a shout out. Absolutely. So yeah, like I said, I started this band in one or 02, uh, up in Storm Lake at Buena Vista with Max Kankel on bass guitar and backup vocals. And, um, I'll tell you what, man, when I met that dude, the first time I met him, he, uh, was sitting, um, you know, it's funny. We were talking about catty corner versus kitty corner. Yeah. I know some people, uh, don't like the phrase Indian style. So he was sitting Crisscross applesauce on the floor of uh, some house and throwing empty beer cans into a ceiling fan. And uh, my college roommate said, yeah, that's Max. (laughs) And uh, we ended up bonding over Alkaline Trio and saves the day pretty quickly. Sweet. Uh, Yeah, man. And so... uh, Good old Max has been there from pretty much the just just right after the Amy I suggest days, and he still likes that song too. Dude, yeah, I don't know, man. I might have to go revisit that one. But uh, and then yeah, Raz uh, and Jason over in Tama, Raz, uh, both of them have moved actually, and then come back. So thank goodness they're within an hour. And uh, yeah. Yeah, dude, I tell you what, those guys, again, coming from Stanwood Charlie and doing like the ska punk thing and just being so good, and they they studied music in school, and they love Rush, Yeah, <laughs> and they just like to challenge themselves, and they challenge exactly. us. Like, I I couldn't ask for three better bandmates, just, they're all, so everyone's so ridiculous. Like, so we, you guys are going to play YYZ at the next show? <laughs> dude i couldn't play i don't i don't know what i could contribute to anything like that um i just uh i don't know i tell you what i tried in the first album i tried to just kind of do like a power pop thing yeah and the second album i caught myself throwing some jazz chords in in the middle of punk rock songs just to make it sound fuller yeah and the first actual song so the first track on the new album is just like an organ droning sound and the leading into the first song yep the first song uh jason wrote all the music for it and Mm -hmm. it's almost five minutes and it's a lot of it's kind of technical and then i wrote the lyrics on the back of a boarding pass on a plane once (laughs) in about 20 minutes and i said just because of the way that song came together he wrote the music i wrote the lyrics everybody kind of contributed their own thing and i said this is the first track on the new hold for swank album because this is what hold for swank sounds like now yep i mean that's totally perfect uh so you got all the guys in the band ticked off one by one here um (laughs) anything else you want to i mean you've got stuff all over online you've got facebook you got twitter you got instagram for hold for swank we do we're not too active i suppose when we play gigs we put more stuff up there so i would say you know we actually you know what keeping up a website is really hard these days too dude yeah i know it can be easy in a lot of ways like if you just get a free wordpress site or whatever but honestly like I've owned holdforswank.com since 02, and I just direct it to our Facebook page. Yeah. So, yeah, Facebook uh, and Twitter are both Hold for Swank. Um, I kind of screwed up our YouTube account when we started it back in 06, so it's Hold for Swank Rock. 
Okay. <laughs> but uh, anyway, we have a bunch of goofy videos up there too. And well, that's sweet. Some music videos. We've got a buddy named Ramsey who I th- he threatened to take a job in Chicago. I hope he's still here in Des Moines. Um, who put our music videos together for us for this uh, oh, new sweet. album? Um, so yeah, man, if you check out our YouTube, there's all sorts of stuff. The history of the band and Dude, how I'm, we got our name. I'm and, all about plugging YouTube. So. Awesome. Yeah. So otherwise, you know, we are on Spotify, iTunes. We're on Bandcamp. We're every everywhere great or good or mediocre or poor music can be found you can find hold for swank <laughs> there's a self de- self-deprecation i just i, I freaking dig it man uh you're one of my favorite people out here in the music scene you've always uh been pretty kind-hearted it seems and uh i, I can't wait to see you guys at another show here sometime i can't wait to play on a show with you i mean we'll like, do it that'll be one of my uh one of my like 15 year old me just getting super excited on the inside there for sure. You know, it's almost time for New Year's re- uh, resolutions. Yeah. So I think we both need to make this a resolution. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> next year we'll uh we'll 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 be coming at you live next year. <laughs> Check so. it out. Oh man. Well, thanks for doing the podcast with me. Um I super appreciate you cut some time out of your day to sit down with me. Well, thanks for uh, having me. I super appreciate it. So I'll, I'll give you a little heck yeah, handshake man, here. You bet. We'll even cheers our coffees. Heck, heck yeah. Clink. Co- coffee all day, coffee all night. <laughs> thanks, everybody. Uh, appreciate it. Ah, what I tell you, that was a great one. Uh, huge shout out to Eric Nelson for uh, taking some time out of his day, coming to sit down with me. You uh, just elevating the podcast to another level. Make sure you check out all of Hold for Swank's media online. I mean, they are everywhere. They're on a ton of websites I had never even heard of. So, I mean, they used CD Baby for their distribution. So anybody that's got a band that's looking to distribute some of your media online, maybe check out CD Baby. It looks like it worked pretty well for Hold for Swank. Uh, They've got Instagram. They've got YouTube. They've got Twitter. they got Facebook. they got a website that redirects to Facebook. So uh, it looks like Facebook is the place to find most of their stuff. They're also on SoundCloud. I mean, they're, they're everywhere. So check them out online. Go to one of their shows if they uh, show up in your town to play because I, I love these guys. I've, I've enjoyed their music for a long time, and uh, I hope they stick around for many more years to come. So thanks, Eric Nelson, for joining me on the podcast. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Make sure you interact with Audible Farm on social media. You can find us pretty much everywhere as well. We've got Instagram. We've got Twitter. We've got YouTube. We've got SoundCloud. we got Facebook. Just uh, give us a shout. Let us know what you think of the podcast. Let us know if you have any suggestions for people to interview. Um, you know, it's, it's just great sitting down with all these people and, and getting to hear their stories. And I hope you're enjoying this as much as I am because I am having a blast talking to these people. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you for tuning in regularly. There's a ton of you out there that are, that are telling me every single podcast you, you like listening to this one. And you're just giving me all sorts of different ways to improve the podcast i guess you know it's 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 pretty sweet i I just really enjoy it thank you everybody for tuning in i'll catch you guys next week have a good one